have our prayer time, and then we'll get into our lesson. Father God, we thank you this morning for your sovereignty over all. Father, we're so thankful for salvation. We're thankful that we didn't deserve it, but by your grace, Jesus Christ died on the cross for us. And that you drew us to you, you saved us, you keep us saved, and we look forward to spending eternity with you. Father, I pray for those with burdens this morning, that you would meet each need according to your will, and that this time of the year, this Thanksgiving time, we would ever be thankful for you and for all the grace and mercy you show us. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week, we talked about making lists, and that's common in our daily lives. Grocery lists for Publix, honeydew lists that keep us busy with errands and fix-it projects, and the warning about going to Home Depot without a list, because as you go up and down the aisles, how many find other projects that come to mind? And pretty soon, instead of one or two items, you end up with a cart full, or maybe you have to put them on one of those big flat carts to bring everything out that you need for all those repairs. During this holiday season, it's common for people to make lists on Amazon, for Best Buy, for Target, Walmart, and ads keep coming out, and they will, of things they would like for Christmas. But we've started a series that reminds us to be thankful to God for gifts He has given us as believers. We are looking at Isaiah 55, and in verses 6 through 13, we find three gifts we should be thankful this Thanksgiving to God that come from God. Our first study zeroed in on being thankful to God for His salvation in verses 6 and 7. Being thankful to God for His salvation. One thing I praise God for every day, that salvation doesn't depend on who I am, but it's who God is. And He is the author and He is the finisher of our salvation. He saves us. And when we put our lives into God's hands, what I'm thankful for too, God never makes a mistake, does He? He's perfect. We learn like the nation of Israel, we should seek God in faith while he may be found and repent of our wicked ways and unrighteous thoughts. Well, this morning we're returning to Isaiah 55 as we discover the second gift from God we should be thankful for this Thanksgiving. Join me in Isaiah 55 and we'll be reading verses 6 to 9 as we get last a week what we shared and what we'll look at this morning. Beginning at verse 6, Isaiah 55. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return to the Lord. And he will have compassion on him and to our God and he will abundantly pardon For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Let's pause for a word of prayer before we look at two areas that God shows his mercy. 
And I'll give that as soon as we're finished with our prayer, what our second gift from God is. Heavenly Father, we just pray that your word will be an encouragement to us this morning, but it will also challenge us. Because, Father, sometimes we get stubborn in wanting our way rather than submitting to your way and to your thoughts. We're thankful for the reminder from Isaiah, and I pray your Holy Spirit would penetrate our hearts not only to hear, but to respond and to be doers of the word, not hearers only. We thank you, Lord, for what you are doing and will do, and we give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. The second gift that we need to be thankful to God for this Thanksgiving is that we need to be thankful to God for His mercy. We need to be thankful to God for His mercy. God shows His mercy in two areas, our thoughts and our ways. Mercy is defined as treating an offender better than he deserves, bestowing grace. Mercy implies tenderness, pity, and compassion. God shows His great mercy to us as we read as a continuation of God's salvation, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Praise the Lord. The Bible gives many warnings about our thoughts. First Chronicles 28.9 As for you, my son Solomon, know the God of your father and serve him with a whole heart and a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands every intent of your hearts. If you seek him, he will let you find him. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. The warning in Matthew 15:19 for out of the heart comes evil thoughts murders adulteries fornications theft false witness slanders and then we look in other portions of scripture Matthew chapter 5 verses 12 to 22 and let's look over at that and look at a few of those verses on the warnings about our thought life Matthew 5 beginning of verse 12 Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth. We look at verse 14. You are the light of the world. Talks about a lamp. Let your light shine. Verse 16. Before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. And then it talks about, throughout this whole chapter, it talks about, in the beginning of verse 21, you heard that the ancients were told you shall not commit murder. Whoever commits murder shall be liable. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. And then we look further down, verse 27. You've heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. It's talking about warnings about our thoughts, our thought life. And that's something we don't know what's going on. Even sometimes in our own lives, our thoughts wander. Instead of focusing on the truth of God's Word and storing God's Word in our hearts, in our minds, we have other thoughts, worldly thoughts, because we think about how the world responds instead of, God's thoughts, which are a much higher plane, a whole different plane than the one that we're on in this world. 
we learned, like the nation of Israel, we need to return to God, but we also need to seek Him, but we also need to realize that our thoughts are not on the high plane of God's thoughts. As with salvation, God's thoughts are much, much higher than ours. God is totally holy. He's without sin. And we are not without sin by any means. We battle sin all the time. God is totally righteous. We're unrighteous. For the nation of Israel, their thoughts resented God for being exiled from Jerusalem. But God's thoughts are focused on a grand plan for Israel. Have you read the bumper sticker, Be Patient With Me, God Isn't Finished With Me Yet? Have you ever seen that on a car ahead of you? We're all in the process, like the potter in the clay. God's thoughts aren't our thoughts. And here's what one commentator shared that I think is something to think about, food for thought. He said, God's thoughts are not contaminated by evil. God's thoughts are not contaminated by evil. Being in the world are thoughts when we've been wronged is vengeance. But God's word says, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. God is constantly dealing with the nation of Israel, God's chosen nation. And we see that throughout the whole book of Isaiah. In Isaiah 65, there's evidence how God has been patient. God has been working out his perfect plan for Israel, but Israel stumbles. Do we ever stumble in our thoughts? Do we ever trip over saying, God, remove that thought from my mind so that I don't focus on it? What do we replace in our minds when our thoughts are that way? I'll tell you a good thing to replace it with is God's word. You say, well, I, I can't memorize it. God will help you memorize it. When Doug and I were working at the jail with the inmates over there, it was amazing what some of those men were memorizing, sometimes whole chapters at a time. And they'd come to the service and they wanted to share how God's Word was changing them because their thought life was changing because they were filling it with God's Word instead of all the worldly things of revenge and anger and this and that going wrong. They were focusing on God's Word, filling their minds with that. God constantly has to deal with us. We're His adopted sons and daughters, and our thoughts can wander away from God often. When we're overlooked, when we're mocked, when we're laughed at work, when that neighbor lets his dollar weed creep onto our lawn, when that neighbor who's a Scientologist or Jehovah's Witness tries to push their beliefs our way, we need to have an answer, and the answer is in God's Word. Verse 8 continues, addressing our ways. Nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. Our path, our journey, which we walk every day, which we live every day, our ways don't line up with God's ways. Regarding salvation and forgiveness and in other ways. On our own, we're lost in our sin. Jesus Christ makes all the difference. According to James 4, 12 to 15, we're to be subjective to God's ways trumping our ways. It's okay to make the plans, but in all likelihood, God's going to change our plans. Why? Because His ways are higher than our ways. 
They're on a different plane. As children, when we don't get our way, what happens? Pouty face. You ever see that bottom lip go out and cross your arms and just sit there and just look real stern for a little while? And then when that doesn't work, then they quit. Honestly, don't we act that way sometimes with God? God, you didn't give me my way. And I think so often because I think I'm guilty of that as well. I think of Jonah. Remember in Jonah 4, he got so upset that he didn't get his way and that city didn't burn. So he sat on the hillside and was getting sunstroke. (laughs) And God showed his grace even to have a plant grow over him, give him temporary shade. And then it withered and he said, God, I'm ready to die. My plant withered. (laughs) God said, listen to me. People are more important than a plant. I hope Jonah got that. I think he did. He went back and did what God told him to do in the first place. We can save ourselves a lot of anxiety instead of pouting when God doesn't give give us what we want, rather saying, God, I want to fulfill what you want me to do. As Christians, we're to obey His Word, spend time in prayer, read and meditate on His Word, Live a life that reflects what God is doing in changing us. We get sidetracked, derailed, and get our focus off of Jesus and on the world around us. And I think of the example of Peter in Matthew 14. We're not going to read that this morning. Matthew 14, beginning of verse 28. You remember the big storm? Remember, Jesus was walking on the water and they said, Oh, there, there's a ghost coming our way. And Jesus said, don't be afraid, it is I. And Peter said, if it's really you, Jesus, tell me what to do. And what did the Lord say? One word. Come. And what did Peter do? Say, well, I'm going to take a vote with the other disciples and let's have a conference here first and I'll pray about it a few weeks. He got out of the boat, didn't he? And he was walking toward Jesus and when he didn't have his... Focus on the things going on, all the circumstances around him, but he kept his eyes on Jesus. He was walking on the water. But when he started to look away, what happened? He went down. And so he said, Oh, I'm going to drown. I give up. No. Cried out to Jesus to help him. And Jesus said, Oh, didn't have enough faith. I'm going to let you drown. He came over and grabbed him grabbed them by the arm and pulled them up and they both walked back to the boat. That's God. That's having faith. That's praising God for His mercy. So we're to obey God's Word. We're to put our trust in Him when the world says, look at all the circumstances. God's saying, look at me. Look at me. God's ways are not our ways. I'm always reminded how much that is so by reflecting and looking through Psalm 139. Psalm 139 is a chapter just full of God knows everything. God is sovereign. He knows my ways, my thoughts before I think them. Before I take that next step, God's already there. He's always all-knowing. And an inmate from Jamesville Penitentiary wrote this as he was reflecting on his time, serving time. He said, 
it's entitled, He Replaced It With Grace. Surrounded by people, but I'm still alone. Empty heart, empty soul, no place to call home. I've beaten myself up, I've lost my shirt. I've taken in greed, treated loved ones like dirt. Then one night, while down on my knees, Jesus called on me and I said to him, Please take my yoke, dear Lord. It's too heavy to carry. He replaced it with grace and wow, it was scary. My burdens were lifted as though never there. The heavy load vanished as if into thin air. I find it now true, the things that they say, if you have faith in Christ, he will take them away. The sins that enslaved you day after day, the drugs, the booze, and all of it, that had beaten me down to a bottomless pit, have been replaced with a new creation so nice. If you doubt what I'm saying, please think twice. You too can walk with God and in Him find the love, the forgiveness to which you were blind. And then to your loved ones this message transmit. Christ is the way out of that bottomless pit. As we thank God for His mercy regarding our thoughts and ways, we come to this tremendous verse in verse 9. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, I love the way that verse begins. Think about it. How much are the heavens higher than the earth? This is recorded by David in Psalm 103, verse 11. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness toward those who fear him. We can't measure how much higher the heavens are than the earth. It's immeasurable, unmeasurable. So are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts and your thoughts. I believe in life, God has divine appointments for everyone here. For Dennis, for Mike, for Sharon, everyone here who is a believer, I believe God has divine appointments. And when we respond to those, we are blessed. I'd like to share for your encouragement a recent divine appointment God made for Carol and I as we were shopping for a replacement vehicle from our car accident. We had contacted a dealership about looking at a Honda. We talked with someone. And when it worked out for us to go down and look at it, that salesman said he wouldn't be there till later, but he would come when he got there. We arrived and we were given another person to help us look at vehicles. We described what we were looking for and, and he said this, if you were my parents, I'd recommend this SUV. We kept looking while praying for God's leading. We had an opportunity to witness and in sharing. I told him how much I valued integrity. And then he said, that's interesting. And he shared his story. He was from Bosnia. His parents were killed in the war. Brother was blinded by a bomb. They were waiting for help at a hospital out in the field there. His brother's eyes were bleeding from his eyes, waiting for help. And a reporter came over there and took a picture of him and his brother. And it ended up on the cover of Newsweek. 
And the founder of Mag Flashlight saw that picture, brought him over to the States and adopted him. It had Carol and I in tears. We are so blessed to be where we are here in America. But so much. He said, I never dreamed I'd have a cell phone. He said, I never dreamed I'd drive a car when I'd been dodging bullets with my brother to get food. I don't think that was an accident. We had that opportunity to hear his story. And I believe it was the grace of God. One reason God brought him over so we could meet him as a reminder of how much God has blessed us with and to have an opportunity to share Jesus with him. So I know God makes divine appointments. He reminded me again, don't take what we have here for granted. And if we can help somebody, do it. Time's too short on this earth to let those pass by. And whether it's somebody that we know is a believer or it's a stranger, God brings them on our path for a reason. I encourage each of you, when God gives you a divine appointment, and He will and He does, don't look the other way. No, His ways are higher than our ways. There's a purpose in everything God brings into our lives. And again, I was reminded, you know, God never makes a mistake. He can't. He's holy. He's perfect in all His ways. And when we recognize God's in control of every day, every minute, every second, we can submit to Him and say, God, I trust you. Like Peter did when he got out of the boat. Would we have stayed in the boat or would we have got out too? Or we would have been maybe one of those disciples saying, Peter's crazy. What in the world's he doing? Taking God at his word. When our plans and ways aren't rubber stamped by God and his plans take place, we need to remember Romans 8.28. Is that true today? Does he work all things out for his good, which is always our good, or does God make a mistake with just us? No. He loves us too much. Do we understand all his ways and thoughts? We go to a lot of scriptures, but because of time, I'll just share what these are that you can look at later. What about Job? In Job 42, 1 to 6, when everything had been going on, everything taken away, his family except his wife, he said, curse God, left. And Job says, when I see your ways, when I see how much greater they are than my ways, I repent in ashes. I bow before Almighty God. And I know you know what you're doing. Joseph in Genesis 45, when he could have got revenge on his brothers, he said, clear to the room. And his brothers, of course, didn't recognize him immediately, did they? But he said, I'm your brother. And I bet they were shaking in their boots. Oh, he's going to get us now. We're dead. But he forgave them. Why? Because Joseph shares in Genesis 45, the first eight verses, what 
God's plans were different. His ways were different. He brought him to that point. What? So he could help the people of Israel who were starving because of the famine. God knew what he was doing. And then I am always reminded of the story of Balaam in Numbers 22 and 23 and 24. Remember that story? I love to tell that to the kids sometimes in Awana, the story about the talking donkey. Turns around, why do you keep beating on me? It's because an angel's standing right here. He doesn't want you to do what you think you're going to do. And he didn't do it, did he? Because he was hired, you curse Israel. God said, no, you're not going to do that. So when he got up and he spoke, he blessed Israel. And that king who had hired him, he wasn't happy, was he? The donkey was a reminder God was in control of his way, of Balaam's way. It wasn't his own path, it was God. What about us? We must remember God's timetable isn't our timetable. As God unveils his timetable for our lives, it's so very hard for us to learn what? God, patience. Oh, that's that P word. Don't use patience. Because in the patience, our faith is going to grow or it's going to shrivel up. And God says, I know what's best for you. I, I have a plan for you. And I know sometimes, in fact, I think quite often in my own life, God works out his plan despite me. Sometimes I get in the way. God says, I'm going to work anyway. I'll work around you if I need to, but I want to work through you. Because when I work through you, perhaps somebody's going to see a glimpse of Jesus and they're going to want to know more about me. Instead of saying, oh, if that's a believer, forget it. He's worse than I am and I'm not a Christian. So we need to watch our testimony. There's a song by Sovereign Grace reminds me it's your grace. And I looked at those words this week and it's just a good reminder for me that God's in charge. You will save whom you will save. We're the lost and helpless ones, the rebels and the renegades who spurned your holy love. You will save whom you will save. Mercy will be magnified. Everyone has gone astray and followed after lies, but you have loved us and opened our eyes. It's your grace from beginning to the end. It's your grace we will never comprehend. Why you drew the ones who ran from you, what can we do but offer you praise? I'm glad, I'm so thankful God's in charge. Imagine the chaos if we were in charge. As the heavens are higher than the earth, gives us a word picture of standing at night, looking at the stars above, and spotting the last star we can see, and know the heavens go even higher. The God of the universe created all the stars, even named them, so God's ways and thoughts are higher than ours. One commentator put it this way, to understand God's thoughts and actions, we would have to multiply our spiritual understanding by infinity. 
Another commentator shares this. We should form our plans with submission to the higher purpose of God. We should resign ourselves to Him when He chooses to thwart our plans and to take away our comforts. In other words, don't hang on to too much of this world so God has to take some away so our worship and our attention comes back to God. I had a friend while growing up. His name was Art. He was very wealthy. He said, uh, he basically said, I've got it made and I have everything I need. And God put him flat on his back because he had been ignoring God. And he said, now, he, he said to me, he said, John, now I have to look up. I've been looking everywhere else. His relationship with the Lord had gone bad. He ignored God. And that's what had happened with all his might. So God took it away. He took away that distraction so he'd get focused back on God again. God's plan of salvation, which is his first gift, to be thankful for this thanksgiving, is dependent on his ways and thoughts. This world around us, the cults, the false religions, false teachers all come up with a system that involves works, but no work can equal what Jesus Christ did upon the cross. Divine appointments, salvation by grace through faith, are evidence that God's ways and thoughts are far beyond ours. Again, God never makes mistakes. There's no such thing as luck with believers. And God shows His mercy in His superior ways and thoughts over ours. The danger of making any plans by leaving God out is shared, and we won't look at this for time's sake, but Luke twelve, sixteen to 21. Remember the rich man who said, I'm going to build more barns. I've got such a great bumper crop, I'm going to build more barns. And i got all these plans to have more and more, which is never enough. And God said, what? You fool, tonight your life's going to end. All your plans are going to be subject to my plans. This is going to be the end of this time on earth for you. Why don't we submit to God who has the perfect plan for us? It's spelled very simply, P-R-I-D-E, pride. Once adopted into God's family, we must acknowledge all of our thoughts, His word and His ways, and submit to Him being number one in our lives. God's anywhere but number one in our lives, we need to relook at our priorities. I remember one particular inmate at Pinellas County Jail who learned through a series of delayed trial dates, changing of attorney, new witnesses against him, his wife threatening to divorce him. He finally learned to put his trust totally in God and by God's grace, God put his life back together again. When we rely on our ways and thoughts, and not trusting in God's ways and thoughts, it'll be chaotic. One young soldier in Nashville, age 19, was ready to end his life over a fight with his girlfriend. But God, in His perfect timing and by His grace, saved him. Here's a challenge from an inmate in Texas entitled, Obey. And I want to share this before we close. Charles Moore, 
He's in Plainview, Texas. To find the way, I must obey my Father and His Word. To seek the truth and be made new, be true to what I've heard. I can't hold on to my old ways and think that there will be a change. So much to let go, so much to remember. Without Him, I can't do it, no matter what I say. How can I say I love Him if I refuse to obey? This is not a joke. My God is for real. Turn from sin and walk away no matter how you feel. Father, help us see as we seek another day. Teach us to love. Help us obey. Obedience. Do we have a lot to be thankful for? Have we started a list of God-given gifts to be thankful for this Thanksgiving? If not, why not? This Thursday, as we sit around the table, that honey-baked ham, butterball turkey, or goose with mashed potatoes and gravy, dressing, cranberry, pumpkin pie, remember to thank God for His salvation and His mercy. Look at the list we've started and go around the table and add more to it and verbalize how blessed we truly are. And next week, Lord willing, we'll look at the third and final gift from God to be thankful for as we finish our study in Isaiah 55. Let's close in prayer. Father God, we thank you again this morning for your word. We're thankful for the recorded word in Isaiah 55. We have so much to be thankful for. God, most of all, thank you for saving us. Thank you for your mercy. And may we be more thankful on a daily basis of all the blessings that you shower down to us. And even the trials can be a blessing, Lord, because they've got a purpose. You never make mistakes. Help us to put our trust in you. As those divine appointments come up today and this week, may we respond to them in a way that's pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen.